0818-715-815. Hello, good afternoon, and you're very welcome to Live Line. Joe with RT.ie, a number of people mentioned uh, over the last few days when we were talking about alcohol, we be- began talking about illicit drugs, by the way, in the Citizens' Assembly. That was last Monday. But I move very quickly on to alcohol, and a number of people have pointed out to us today that there's a new billboard campaign, which means everyone can see it 24 7. Uh, it's all around the country, massive billboards. Jemison, Ginger, and Lime this St. Patrick's Day or any day. Uh, Professor Frank Murray is a consultant in uh, hematology and gastroenterology and he contacted Jesse. Frank, um, what do you think of this new advertising campaign? I think it's the first time uh, a hard liquor has been associated with our national holiday so directly. Um, well, I think it's, it's, it, th- there's a lot to criticise in it on a number of fronts. One is that exact point there, Joe. And another is the idea that you should be drinking alcohol every day which is a, a really we know and you from your show yesterday where there were there was such um, uh, such sad stories put forward by both people who drink and by the families of those who died as a result mm-hmm. of liver failure to alcohol that 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 ad is sending out a, a very poor message to me do you think it should be withdrawn uh, do you know I, I i think that so i i think that there should be no advertising of alcohol products at all so that would be my own view but about it. The fact it. is, this is a campaign directly linking it to St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, yeah. I think, do you know, I think it is, I think it is very bad. Um, and I, I, I don't think we should be doing that. I think that we should be, but, you know, it's the tip of an iceberg, Joe. We have, we, mm. we live in a, a country where we're absolutely overwhelmed by marketing and promotion of alcohol. You can see it even, we're not supposed to, even at the rugby, um, um, at, at the Aviva, where there's supposed to be no advertising of alcohol products on the pitch. There's gear, Guinness in big bright letters and a faint mm. zero zero. It's, that's all very wrong. It, it, children know more about alcohol brands than they do about most other brands because the marketing is so pervasive. So I do think that you know this ad, this is is an ad is, is a tip of that iceberg. And I personally think we shouldn't have um, alcohol advertising at all. But that's 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 a little bit of a step down the road, I think. But well, it's such a big business. Newspapers, uh, RTE, yeah. broadcasters depend on alcohol. Now I know. There, there are further restrictions on whiskey advertising, hard liquor, so to speak. But um, this, this is an, this is an ad. Uh, we've, we've asked Irish distillers, or Perna Ricard, who own them now. Uh, many billboards are are uh, in use for this St Patrick's Day campaign. But uh, whatever about alcohol ads on for beer or whatever on radio and te- well television don't exist on RT radio. As such, they do exist on other radio stations. Um, there is a watershed. A billboard is can be beside a school, can be beside a hospital, can be beside a, um, and they're yeah. they're they're visible now because of lighting and backlighting twenty four seven. Yeah, no, I, I think you know, Joe. Honestly, we we there is a lot of evidence that advertising uh, encourages people to drink um, at an earlier age and to be more likely to be problem drinkers. That's on the one hand, and on the other hand, and you had a. a a man, Frank, on your program yesterday, who's been abstinent for many years, he talked about going to AA. And people, for instance, who are in recovery are, you know, exposed to those ads all the time, which threaten their recovery and threaten their abstinence from alcohol. So, you know, I think I'm, I personally, having worked in the world of many patients dying from very difficult death from liver mm-hmm. failure, the impact it had on them and on their families, I feel no sympathy for the alcohol industry and I feel particularly no sympathy for their marketing and promotions. And if I can just follow that up, Joe, and say, if you look at the WHO best buys in terms of reducing alcohol harms, they are mainly around price and promotion, mm-hmm. uh, price, price, I beg your pardon, price, availability, and marketing and advertising and promotion. So we know that measures in relation to marketing and advertising are very effective in reducing alcohol consumption. Okay, say with us, Dr. Sheila Ganheny also contacted us. She's CEO of Alcohol Action Ireland. Are you aware of this advertising campaign, the St. Patrick's Day whiskey campaign by Jemison? Yes, I have seen it. And uh, yet again, you know, we have been pointing to this, um, you know, the problems around the marketing of alcohol. And as your your previous caller, um, Professor Murray, has just been saying, the marketing of alcohol is one of the key drivers of alcohol use in Ireland. And this is marketing that we know from research is targeted towards young people and also to heavy drinkers, you know, particularly irresponsible. But 
I think the thing that we are really keen to point out here is that this sort of marketing, which really appeals to you know things that are important to us, whether we're talking about national identity, whether we're talking about sport or music or friendship or family, mm. all of that kind of marketing is really forbidden under the Public Health Alcohol Act. Um, a set of legislation, a set of measures that was passed in 2018, but has never yet actually been uh, implemented. So when we talk about any particular ad, as, as this particular one that, that we're, we're discussing here, mm. it's not about any one ad. It's the bigger question is, why have these um, controls, these statutory controls, not been implemented? And we need to be asking the Minister for, for Health this direct question. Uh, alcohol or whiskey advertising is banned on uh, state television here. Now that doesn't that means they can advertise on the various cable channels or, or platforms that that come in. But whiskey is seen as different because, as I say, it is it is um, it, it is banned on uh, by the state on, t- on television. But the fact that the, this whiskey campaign is on billboards, which everyone can see, and two is linked directly. The word St Patrick's Day, Jemison. This St. Patrick's Day or any day. So St. Patrick's Day is obviously linked to it in a fortnight's time. Um, the, 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 like, is there, a, apart from you or anyone else calling, but first of all, what do, what do Alcohol Action Ireland think of this campaign, the St. Patrick's Day campaign? I know Frank is saying it's all campaigns, but this campaign specifically targets St. Patrick's Day and whiskey drinking. Yeah, so what we know is that, uh, and I agree completely with Frank uh, on this, all of this type of advertisement, it appeals to the emotions that, that are within us. They appeal to, the, you know, as I say, things like national identity, things that are really, really important. Uh, so I'm not interested in any one particular ad. I'm interested mm-hmm. in why we don't have these statutory controls. Well, why don't, why don't we, Sheila? Are they on the... <laughs> Well, why aren't we asking the Minister for Health this exact question? Because this is this is legislation that was passed in 2018. All that is required is for it to be, uh, you know, brought in, to be to be implemented to be to to, to uh, for, for the minister to sign it actually in, into law. And there's several things actually that that are still outstanding from that okay. act. For example, the broadcast watershed, you know, which you just had mentioned earlier on, we're not supposed to be seeing alcohol advertisements before uh, 9 p.m. on on broadcast. Uh, media on, on TV and radio. Mm. But we are seeing them. Uh, and the reason that we're still seeing them is that this particular section of the Act has not yet been implemented. And we have asked the Minister many times, and this has been, there's been PQs asked about this, and we constantly get back a message of, oh, there's a need for consultation with the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. But Four years of consultation. I mean, come on, that's <laughs> just not. It's not. Uh, not credible. Is really what we would be saying here. But people say, what's the harm? Like alcohol. I know. I know. There's two schools of art, but there is a middle school as well. Saying like, a lot of people drink alcohol in moderation. It is a great uh, leavener. It's great social. Uh, and, and a lot of people like the taste of it as well. Vintage wines or types of beer or whatever. Um, so how do you, how do you, which I suspect might be quite easy really, but Sheila, how do you answer the argument you're just a killjoy? You know, we are looking at a a substance here that is no ordinary product. It's not the same as buying, you know, a a litre of milk. It is a completely different product and it needs to be subject to a different type of regulation. And we know this when we look at other um, substances that are mood-altering, mind-altering, mm. that are addictive, that we have a completely different set of regimes uh, around us. So, for example, tobacco and the sale of, of uh, you know, cigarettes, we have a complete ban on the, the marketing of a substance that we know to be harmful and to be, uh, you know, very addictive. Mm. And we recognise that, and, and there, is, there is a ban on it. Now, you can still buy it. There's nobody saying that you can't actually buy the product. But there is controls around it. So, you know, you have to be a certain age before you can buy it. It's not, um, it's, it's not advertised. And, you know, the, there are high prices associated with it. So exactly as Frank was saying earlier, there are these levers that we know from, from really, really good research that actually do work. So it's not a case of being a killjoy. It's a case of actually just taking a step back and looking at mm. this product. And when you strip out the advertising and the marketing myths that go along with it, I think you're better able to see the product for what it is, a product that causes an immense amount of harm. And, you know, anybody who would have been listening to your callers yesterday could be in no doubt of the, 
the trauma that is being experienced mm. by families up and down the country. Uh, you know, it's really it's it, and that's this is this is you know one particular element that that we're seeing up there. Unfortunately, there's all all sorts of other elements too. There's the there's you know four deaths that occur every day now, but a third of those deaths actually occur from things like accidents and assaults and incidents. You know, perhaps you know mental health issues that mm. that would arise. And we're we're acutely aware of all of these different types of harms, not just the dependency harms, which which are terrible, as as, as you know your your callers would have you know and, and, and all the listeners who would have you know really heard that. So what I'm saying is that we have had a set of measures which really are based on the World Health Organization's recommendations, you know, about trying to reduce alcohol harm, which are very modest. They're not extreme at all. They're not killjoy. They're actually saying this okay. is a product that, okay. yes, we accept people do want to use. OK, let me go back to five one double five ones. or text. I'm going to go back to Professor Frank Murray. Frank, two things. One, you mentioned price and promotion as uh, yeah. uh, arbiters in terms of the consumption of alcohol. First, firstly, on price, have we not got among the most expensive alcohol in Europe? Every bottle of whiskey, I think, has a tax on it of uh, 15 quid. We've the most expensive Irish whiskey in Europe. You get Irish whiskey in France or England or indeed Newry, much cheaper than you get it in the Republic of Ireland. So they are doing something on price. You'll pay a tenner now for a pint of Guinness in Temple Bar in in uh, Dublin. Nobody seems to be batting an eyelid. So, So they have done something on price. Yeah, no, there's no question about that. I mean, the, 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 the government deserves great credit for passing the Public Health Alcohol Act in 2018, as Sheila's already said. Uh, but so, and we have minimum unit price. The price in the pub in Temple Bar, Joe, is nothing to do with uh, price no, and know, regulation. Know, yeah. That's a commercial issue. Um, around, no, it's, I mean, it's, a, it's a, a, Frank, it's a gouging issue. It's, well, a, well, it's, a, gre- it's a greed it's, issue at Temple Bar. It's well, greed. Well, well, the, well, the gouging and is, greed. Yeah, the alcohol is, is, is a very profitable industry. You were talking there about about uh, restrictions and, and and talk about tobacco. I think a, a good comparison is with road safety, because in contrast to tobacco, nobody wants anybody smoking. We should have a complete prohibition of that. It's got no upside. Yeah. But in contrast, as you said, a lot of people want to drink. Yeah. So I think we should treat it much more like driving. So we know that a lot of people die on the roads every year, but we don't stop people driving. But instead, we've got two things. First okay. of all, we've got a lot of regulations around it, which reduce those um, harms. And secondly, we've got a statutory authority responsible um, for reducing harms on the road, the Road Safety Authority. Now, I would argue, we would argue in Alcohol Action Ireland, Sheila and myself would both argue, okay. that we should have a, a statutory authority responsible across government for reducing alcohol harms in a coordinated way. Now, if you look what's happening now, Ireland uh, is greatly admired worldwide now because of the Public Health Alcohol Act. We, it has gained enormous kudos for Ireland in, in the public health sphere. Okay. But on the other hand, we're threatening to introduce a new sale of alcohol bill which is going to prolong and in the, the opening hours for selling alcohol and is going to increase the number of licences. Now, that has to be wrong. So we need to have a much more coordinated approach across government and we would suggest having a statutory authority to reduce alcohol harm. And can I add one other point, Joe, that I think is really important? Who pays for the harms associated with alcohol? We all pay. Mm-hmm. The taxpayer pays. And the alcohol, the cost of alcohol in Ireland is probably four or five million. We know that 11% of the health budget goes in that. The alcohol industry makes no contribution. They're not levied. And I think we need to address Well, they that. do. Well, well, in fairness, now, every bottle of whiskey, 18 euro goes up. No, 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 that's tax. That's yeah, well, that, is, well, that goes to the state. Yeah, yeah but, but the income from the state for that is only a fraction of the cost to the state of alcohol harm. So if, if, you, if you actually sent in a, an actuary or an accountant in to do the okay, numbers on it, you'd say they are about two or three billion behind uh, paying for they're, they're two or three billion less, less generated than alcohol costs society in terms of crime, in terms of policing, in terms of prisons, in terms of social care, and in terms of health care. Then promotion, the second. No matter what, what rules you introduce, um, they get around it, and the Guinness 00, zero on the, uh, emblazoned on the pitch at uh, Lansdowne Road at Yaviva and yeah. in Twickenham the previous week or whatever is, is an indication of that. But they there's will, a way around They that. will get around it. Well, there is a way to tackle that, and the way to tackle that is what they've done in Norway, is they said if you're going to have alcohol-free beers, they have to have a different name and your branded name. Okay. So you can't call it Guinness, you'd have to call it something else. And you can't. 
That only can mean, like, it's not that it's called Guinness. It is, sorry, sorry, it is, of course, it, that's a very yeah. strong point. But, if that was but it's, called, the same, it's, it's the same typography, the same branding, the same slightly everything. slightly different colour scheme, the same delivery, the same packaging, the same size cans. And, yeah. But by the way, the, did the IRFU said they couldn't run the Aviva without being able to sell drink during matches. Well, well, that's a slightly other issue which I would, I would, I would contend with. But, but that, that's, uh, if you look at the feedback, they did a report, the IRFU, and a lot of the feedback was published in the Irish Times about six weeks ago, what people said. And most of the people there whose comments were published were unhappy about alcohol being sold during the match. Not being sold before and after yeah. or during the break, but people bringing alcohol yeah, down the into the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've seen both, m- m- many or most people who go to the match are unhappy about that. Should Which have been, did, did, did minimum pricing, Sheila, uh, so far as alcohol action, I know Frank's involved, but did minimum pricing make a, make a difference? Well, we haven't seen the statistics for this year yet, so it was introduced at the, the start of 2022, and we're still waiting actually for the, the results of um, you know, the, the alcohol use mm-hmm. of, you know, during the year. I think actually an, an important thing to look at would be not just you know how much alcohol has been been used, but actually the patterns of alcohol use, and has that had any impact, say for example, on hospital admissions, uh, ED admissions, things things like that. That's the sort of research that's actually very much needed to be able to measure the impact of any changes in, in alcohol policy. And Frank, has have has our admissions to hospital reduced, given that? Well, it, it's it's too it's too early to say. Okay. We, we haven't seen that data, but can I can I can I just say there was if, if you look before the show today, there was an advertisement for atrial fibrillation. Okay, okay. about people being aware of that. Atrial a, ma- a major factor in causing atrial fibrillation and causing recurrences of it is alcohol. And if people stop drinking after they've developed atrial fibrillation that comes and goes, the risk of it coming back is greatly reduced. Now, most people don't know that. In fact, even a lot of doctors don't know that. But the a point I would make in relation to harms associated with alcohol is many people have harms associated with alcohol and they don't even put it together. They don't link the harm, such as the cancer, which is a really big issue for um, alcohol. They don't link that cancer of their esophagus or of their um, mouth or of their breast mm. in women or of the colon. They don't link it to alcohol. And yet that we know that that is a very big factor. So, you know, a lot of people have, have, have illnesses that are um, driven by alcohol and people aren't even aware of them because the link isn't so clear to your ordinary person as it is, as, as the link to cirrhosis is. And, and it's worth making a point about liver deaths. If, if you look at, say, deaths due to stroke and heart disease and deaths due to cancer, because of the advances in care and prevention, mm-hmm. the number of deaths in those illnesses yeah. has fallen dramatically. The opposite is the case for liver disease. Liver disease is the number of deaths in Ireland and Europe, indeed, are still increasing. And that's been driven by alcohol consumption. So it's really an issue of national importance that we continue uh, to introduce measures to reduce alcohol harms. But as one caller has pointed out about this Jemison ad, that drink Jemison this St. Patrick's Day or any day, um, the, he's saying the ad is not saying go and drink all day and get drunk. No, no, it's not saying that. But it's encouraging people to drink every day, which we know is unhealthy. If you look at, say, the guidelines around alcohol consumption in the UK, they recommend taking two days free of alcohol. So we shouldn't be drinking every day. In fact, I'd argue we should restrict the number of days we should re-drink alcohol much more substantially. I don't drink during the week uh, in general. Okay. I think it's, uh, it's a bad idea. I, we'd open a bottle of wine on a Friday and finish it on a Saturday. That's about it in general for, for us most weeks. And, and the reason I do that is because, you know, like every family, there are alcohol-related problems in my own family. I don't want to fall into that trap. Okay. You know, I've seen the horrors on your show yesterday. I've seen those in my working life. I've seen them among people whom I know. So, you know, I, I am very conscious of, the, of putting controls around alcohol in my own life. Um, and I think people should be careful about drinking every day like that ad is encouraging them to do. Okay, Sheila, last word to you on this segment because... Uh, I know both of you are there. medics have got to go back to your important work now. I know you see this as a, a, a totally important as well. That's why you contact us. But Sheila, um, do, it comes back to my point with Frank that no matter what, you, it's such a big industry. It's such a big spender in press and television, in the advertising industry, in booking space. 
that there's is is there ever going to be a sensible full debate about alcohol use in Ireland when so many and I know people are see themselves rightly so above above that in terms of impartiality but so many newspapers might not exist without advertising from the national lottery or indeed from alcohol brands not them all of course but like the, but they are a big spender when it comes to even billboards even marketing uh, all the various things they give to pubs like it's it's a pretty it's a pretty big uh, ship to try and turn i suppose a couple of things that i would say firstly we have had long-running discussion about alcohol and in, in the, the Public Health Alcohol Act, which mm. was the most contested piece of legislation, took three years to actually um, get through the doll. We had all of this discussion and we came up with, with a set of measures okay. which are very modest, so they should be implemented. And what and would those... Thing, if those Sorry, the question I should have asked you earlier, Sheila. If those measures were implemented, do you say it's only a matter of uh, a minister signing them effectively, what difference would they make? Well, firstly, you know, in, in, it would restrict the amount of alcohol advertising that we're, we're all seeing. We're drowning in it at the moment, which actually makes it quite quite a hard thing to be able to see the product for what it is. So it would reduce that, and it would certainly reduce the cues that people are getting all the time to drink literally every every day. But the other thing that I would really like to point out is that other countries have managed to introduce complete bans on alcohol advertising. Norway, for example. France also. So, you know, it has been done in other countries. Um, those countries still have television channels, they still have mm-hmm. newspapers, they still have all the media that's there, they still have sport um, and, you know, and are doing pretty well, you know, in, in, in other places. Iceland, for example, has a complete ban on on, on, uh, on advertising and I believe its uh, sporting team has been doing fairly well as well. So, you know, we get this argument all the time of multiple industries would apparently collapse, tourism mm-hmm. would collapse, you know, um, media would, would collapse, but this is not the case. These are industry-sponsored arguments which are trying to put forward something which is in their own vested interest. But if we take a step back and we kind of think, well, really, what's the evidence? And when we look at the evidence, we know that actually reducing the amount of advertising that we see reduces the amount of harm that we experience from alcohol. Yeah, but you, Sheila, just as someone else has pointed out, weren't there ads recently both for the for the Irish soccer team, male, and the Irish rugby team, male, both saying, both mentioning alcohol and saying this is the official drink of the IR, of the Irish rugby team or the official drink. Of, and both of them were alcoholic drinks, which is nonsensical. Yeah. It absolutely is. And there were proposals um, to completely ban this, the, the sponsorship of, of, uh, of, of sport by alcohol and which through huge uh, lobbying by the alcohol industry um, didn't go ahead. And what we were left with instead was very minimal restrictions on advertising on the field of play. And as we've discussed earlier, what do we see? We see this, you know, mm-hmm. um, advertising by the back door uh, using zero alcohol, you know, marketing. But we, we know that what's really being advertised is the brand itself. So um, what, what I'm saying is, but when you have these, when you have minimal restrictions, industry will always find a way around them. What's actually needed are full-scale, you know, bans on alcohol advertising because it, without that, you find this um, backdoor advertising. Can Frank, I, can I Frank yes, that? please. Yeah. I, I completely agree with everything that Sheila has said there. The other thing that, yeah, what would happen is if people don't spend money on alcohol, they spend it on some other aspect of the economy. It's not like the money evaporates. So we don't need to be mm. worrying about being beholden to the alcohol industry. They're doing nobody a favour. Most of the profits are going to transnational alcohol corporations and being taken out of the country. So, you know, those corporations are ruthless, but they'll they do anything to increase their sales. That's their mission statement. They've no other, they've no, they've no um, responsibility for the health or well-being of the people they're selling alcohol to. So we shouldn't be so worried about the economic mm-hmm. impacts of alcohol. And we also know from the OECD, very hard-headed economists, that our GDP is lower as a result of alcohol consumption in Ireland. So we shouldn't be, we should be embracing drinking less in Ireland. I'm not arguing for prohibition, quite the opposite. I would be very supportive of having alcohol in society. Obviously, it's no brain okay. at the time advertising against. But just reducing the volume we consume substantially, and okay. particularly reducing the consumption by very heavy drinkers, because you know um, about uh, about twenty uh, percent of people use eighty percent of the alcohol. Like you know, there's, okay. there's a huge number amount of alcohol. 
drunk by a relatively small number of people. And, and that was really reflected in your show yesterday, Joe, in the suffering that those people have had. They've died, many of them, who were discussed in the show yesterday. Their families are suffering from bereavement associated with that. And those people who managed to give up alcohol are living in, um, in a society where they're overwhelmed by a tidal wave of, of marketing and promotion. So, so I really think we need to be. You, you, your program started off discussing this around the um, citizens, the, uh, citizens uh, assembly and illicit drugs. Yeah, there's a very good argument for having a citizens assembly around alcohol. So why why hasn't there? Why why did the citizens assembly on reducing the harm of illicit drugs, which can only go in one direction, that is to allow more drugs, and they would say under refined or regulated circumstances, but can only go in one direction. Then. Whereas if you had a citizens' assembly on alcohol, it could only go in one direction, and that would be for more restrictions. And the, the alcohol industry isn't going to support that, are they? A citizens' but, assembly on alcohol. Yeah, well, but you see, we, I, I don't think we should be asking the alcohol industry what they support. We should be saying, what? I mean, the, the point of government is to do the best for the most okay, people in the okay. So I don't think we should be asking them. We should be, we should be asking the alcohol industry to pay for the harms that they're doing. Not their thoughts about how alcohol should be sold in Ireland. And you know what they'll do? They'll move. Well, they'll they move. move. They, I, I, if, if Ireland brought in a, a, a health levy on alcohol, they'll be gone. They just, I know you can you, you can only Maria make Irish whiskey in only distill Irish whiskey in Ireland, but you can use barley from anywhere in the world to distill Irish whiskey. And the whole rule then is three years of one day and uh, and triple distilled or whatever. But but um. They, they, I know, I know it's confined to the island of Ireland, but they could say move to France and well, it's owned by a French company, and say it's Irish style uh, whiskey and sell it cheaper, and they wouldn't have to pay any health levy. I think that you'd find what would happen would be similar to what happened when we introduced the smoking ban here under uh, Minister Martin um, fifteen years ago, seventeen years ago. I think you'd find that other countries would do it. So I, I actually think that when countries, when there's a realisation okay, by government that they are actually sponsoring the alcohol industry's profits by picking up the, the, the tab for all the harms in health and crime and social care and prisons and so on, I think you'd find that we'd be copied rather than anything else. I, don't, I, I wouldn't be so concerned about, um, ind- I don't think industry will flee. And in fact, if we'd know alcohol industry, you know, Less alcohol. We we are losing money on the alcohol industry. And you know who the biggest employers in the alcohol industry are? The healthcare service. There are more people employed in the healthcare looking after people with alcohol-related problems than there are in any part of the alcohol manufacturing industry in Ireland. Okay, on that note for this segment, uh, Professor Frank Murray, a consultant in hepatology and gastroenterology, thanks, he works in, based in Bon Secure, and Dr Sheila Gilhaney, uh, CEO of uh, Alcohol Action Ireland. Thank you both. Uh, back after this, Joe with RT.ie. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Hello, Joe and team. Since 1988, I've been in recovery from alcohol addiction. So I know from experience there is still stigma attached, especially for women. I worked in very senior managerial roles in London in the 80s. I remember I would wake up in the morning to a glass of straight vodka on the bedside table. I would drink it back before I got out of bed. When I was trying to fool myself, I might mix it with orange juice. I lost jobs due to the addiction because my mind was totally clouded by alcohol because I couldn't see things through. I was addicted to my fingernails. My entire days were consumed with thoughts of alcohol and nothing else mattered to me. I would hide litre bottles of wine in the ladies' toilet and work. My handbags got bigger and bigger so I could handle larger bottles. I felt unwell the whole time and my weight dropped to seven stone. I was always the life and soul of the party. I got great confidence from alcohol. It was that confidence I thought I could never live without. My wonderful sisters intervened and asked me to stop. To anyone who loves an addict, please know that there is nothing you can do to make the person you love stop drinking. They have to make that decision for themselves. Thankfully, I stopped, but I didn't do it on my own. It took rehab and a lot of AA meetings. 
In 1988, it cost me €2,000 to go to a treatment centre. For me, it was the best money I ever spent. Now I live a quiet life. Don't get me wrong, life can still be shit, but I do not feel the need to be the life and soul of the party. I am almost 35 years sober and I am well. Well, that speaks for itself. Samantha Kelly, Samantha, good afternoon. Joe at rt.ie, 51551. I know you're 14 years uh, sober uh, and well done and and, con- and continuing. Um, St. Patrick's Day, the Jemison Whiskey ad, what do you think? Which specifically mentions, I think it's the first time an alcohol ad, or a hard alcohol ad, a hard liquor ad, has specifically mentioned St. Patrick's Day. The, the billboard ads all around the country, um, well, you can tell me it for all around the country. I've seen the, the, the one I've seen is in Clontarf, and Frank and uh, Stephanie have seen them as I've seen it as well. Um, Jemison, uh, ginger and lime. I don't know what the ginger and lime got, but Jemison, ginger, ginger and lime, this St. Patrick's Day or any day. Samantha, what do you think? Hi, Joe. I'm on my way up to Dublin. Um, I, I live in Wexford and I heard the conversation that was happening. Yeah. And one of the things that is more annoying about this for me is not... Uh, it's An ad, by the way, is not going to okay. harm someone in recovery if they're properly in recovery. Good point. Very good point. You know? Yeah. Um, but uh, I do want to say it's more the Irish Association. You know, like, we're already... We've already got a reputation for, like, the fighting Irish, the drunk Irish, and it's the association with being mm-hmm. Irish, the alcohol and being Irish. And, um, like, last year and the year before, during the pandemic, there's a movement in New York called Sober St. Patrick's Day, mm-hmm. right? Best of luck to that. <laughs> and it, there, you see... <laughs> but, you see, the attitude that I got when I was involved in it was, yeah. well what are you trying to do to us? Do you know what I mean? Like, okay, yeah. Where the whole point was to promote Ireland and the culture and the wonderful things about Ireland, the people of Ireland, without that alcohol label. There is, know? there um, is. A, you're saying there is a, a movement in New York called this, yeah, the Sober St. Yeah. Patrick's Day. Yeah, yeah. I was involved last year and the year before because they couldn't have it during the pandemic, so we did it online. Um, I was a brand ambassador. And, you know, I'm not involved this year, but, you know, it's, it's, it's all about... Get, taking the alcohol part out of it and okay. just having the, the celebration for and what, re, what reaction did you get? I, I'm on Twitter a lot, as you probably know, and um, I got some reactions saying, "Oh, for God's sake!" You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you know, I did get a bit of abuse for it, but I just ignored it because, also, you know, if you're in sobriety, and thank God I am, and you know, I know there are a lot of people struggling out there. I see it all the time. If you're in sobriety, an ad is not going to make any difference. Okay. okay? So I do want to point that out, that yeah. it is important. We're not white-knuckling it here. We, we Thank God we have a program, and we do learn how to live sober. And I have had the best life ever since I put down that drink. You know, and as, you know, the lady speaking earlier, you know, it has to be that person that wants to stop, that has had enough, that's sick mm-hmm. of being sick. Um. You know, and I agreed with what the previous speaker was saying as well about, like, why don't they spend all this money instead of sponsoring these events that they shouldn't be involved in, I feel, like sports events? Why don't they spend that money into undoing some of the damage they've done or educating people and, and getting people who are in sobriety to be highlighted more? Like, this, that there is a real life out there and it doesn't have to be all about the drink. And don't get me wrong, I love a good party. I love yeah, I, yeah. I love the buzz, but I, I just don't drink and I can't, you know. Well, remember, it, it, Frank it, I'm and allergic to it. Professor yeah. Frank Murray and Stephanie, I think, it, but definitely Frank said he's not calling. And, and alcohol uh, action aren't, aren't calling for prohibition of alcohol. Yeah. They're, they're calling for more sensible uh, promotion, yeah. more sensible advertising, more sensible uh, consuming by individuals. That's what that's that's what they're calling for. But the so I'm just I'm fascinated by the sober St Patrick's Day. Um, like when you said you you were a brand ambassador because it's the other way round. Uh, I've noticed whiskey companies now are recruiting students, young people. Oh. Sorry, young people yeah. to be brand yeah. ambassadors for. Irish whiskey or whatever different brands they are, even though if you ever visit a distillery, you'll be very surprised at the small number of people it takes to distill whiskey. It's primarily done by 
uh, the stills, obviously, and the the intake of barley, and then the the uh, malting and whatever that goes on. But there's a very, very, very few. Uh, it's not labour intensive like uh, like the the wine industry. It's a it's in terms of jobs, it's very, very small. But when Irish distillers, for example, recently announced that they're going to expand in Middleton, it looked like half the country was doing backflips, including the tea shock because they saw it as a 250 million investment, but nobody asked them, how many jobs are you going to create? How many jobs are you going to create? But anyway, that, that's, I'm feeding off what Frank, uh, Professor Frank Murray was saying about, uh, start thinking about these numbers and figures and what they actually mean and what would, what would happen. Um, you say as well, Jemison need to get away, get away from drink and the and Irish and the drink connection. But this ad specifically mentions. Uh, I yeah. didn't. I know yesterday was Saint David's Day in Wales. Now I'm not familiar with Welsh media that that that, that much, but I doubt if any Welsh. There's no Welsh whiskey, but there's. I doubt if any Welsh um, alcohol product. Um, said you know celebrate this Saint David's Day with mm. our alcohol. Mm. And, every, and any other day, for that matter, which is what uh, Jemison look, are saying. Yeah, look, that's that's more why I called you, because it's, it's, it's again and again, I speak at conferences, okay? Thank God I'm in a great position now. I've changed, turned my whole life around. I'm, like, you know, and I go and speak at different conferences in different countries. And the first thing people say to me is, oh, my God, you're Irish. You must love Guinness and you must love whiskey and I'm like and then it comes to the whole awkward conversation of no I don't drink anymore and I don't actually drink it you know and another thing just from being at business events when I go to business events there's always a glass I don't know I'm sure you've gone to them yourself Joe you go to a media mm. type event wine red wine or white wine or maybe sparkling yeah, but you, water yeah, but what's the harm you know, in that yeah, that's fine, but then if I want a Coca-Cola, I have to go to the okay, bar and okay, pay for it okay, myself. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> it's like, hang point. on a minute, that's not Ex- fair. Excellent, excellent, <laughs> so, um, excellent point. Frank, stay with us, Samantha. By the way, I should, uh, people are saying, will you, will you explain what you're talking about, this billboard, the billboard are the posters on the streets, it's one this campaign. I think it only started the last few days from what we can hear. It's for Jamison, uh, drink Jamison ginger and lime this St. Patrick's Day or any day, and as a Photograph of two men. They're young men, very attractive men. Uh, one of them is kind of Rastafari and a black man. The other is a, a chap with a beard. He has a wedding ring on him, just to be doubly sure. In fact, both of them have wedding rings on them. And um, they are in... To say that they are look like they're enjoying themselves, um, that is an understatement. They're brilliant, brilliant actors, obviously. Uh, well done, because you don't... I presume you don't consume gems and while you're trying to make an ad... And then there's two large glasses of, uh, which is obviously whiskey, Jemison, with a dash of li- with a lime, very healthy for you, isn't it? And a dash of ginger, which is normally regarded as healthy as well. But that's the ad. It's the the party atmosphere. It's obviously set in a pub, and it's the two lads having the crack, having the crack. They're only having the crack. Uh, Liam, a uh, Frank Reedy, Frank. I'll come to Liam in a sec. Apologies, Liam. Frank. Good afternoon. Yeah, Joe, how are you? Okay, yeah. your, your points as, as quickly and succinctly as you, only you can because you're a writer as well. Go ahead, Frank. Yeah, I think, uh, um, you know, the message is there very, very much uh, on, the, on the ball. Uh, we don't need to glorify alcohol anymore, I think, you know. I've had experience from both sides and uh, thankfully over 20 years of contented sobriety and I've never been as creative I always thought that I needed it because our, we glorified our writers, we glorified mm-hmm. some of our sports people through alcohol, um, and it's only when you find contented sobriety and put a value on sobriety, I think that uh, that's I think that's the key to a lot of the things. And nowadays, I particularly, anyway, I live on what I call Gratitude Road. I don't need alcohol to, uh, uh, to you know to lift me or to to. Um, make me any more yeah, creative. I've never written better. I've never uh, been a better person uh, in the last 20 years. So I've seen both sides. And I see, you know, when you see this right in your face, um, promoting, uh, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a marketing gimmick. Uh, I don't agree with it. I see the mm. damage it has done across families, through friends. Uh, a lot of friends that I know are no longer with us uh, as a result of alcohol. And uh, we shouldn't be treating it in that sort of frivolous way, you know. 
And Frank, one line struck me from the, the, the letter for the email from the listener there. And and, and uh, Samantha come in on this as well. And Liam, you come in. I haven't introduced you yet. Liam, good afternoon. Sorry for holding you. Um, Liam, you, you just give a quick introduction to where you're coming from in this in this story. Well, I'm, I'm, only, off, I'm only off drink for the last 64, 65 days. Okay. So well, I'm done. Only well, done. well done. Yeah. And it's like, it's like comparing night and day. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so now then I want the three to, to, to address if you can. Um, uh, and, and, and Liam, you're okay talking about your situation? Yeah. yeah. 64 is, is great and long may it go into 65. Yeah. Uh, and uh, thereafter. Well, I have help. I, I have help. Yeah, okay. Um, the one, one of the lines from the email uh, from the person who was uh, an alcoholic and now sober. And now I live a quiet life, but don't get me wrong. Life can be SH1T, you know what I'm saying? Life can be <laughs> SH1T, but I do not feel the need to be the life in Salt What do you do, beginning with you, Frank? What do you do when you're having a terrible day or a terrible few hours and you say, God, if I had ever had a drink, it might relax me. It might calm me down. Frank, greatly forced. Yeah, what I do nowadays is I go for a walk and I uh, I do over about ten thousand steps a day, if possible. And I walk what I call on Gratitude Road because uh, I am ever grateful for the fact that I was able to leave down alcohol, leave it as uh, uh, take it away as a part of my life. Uh, for a long time, I medicated. Uh, what I had at the time was was. Um, Depression, because I didn't want to admit I had depression and admit what my dad had. And it took me uh, many years until I was able to first get mm-hmm. off alcohol and then admit that I had a, a depression and deal with that as well. And I have neither of the two twin things that were on my shoulders uh, over 20 years ago. Okay, uh, grand- I, first, I had to leave down the alcohol first. That was the, that was, and I had to get great help in that as well. Okay, I'll ask the same question of Samantha and Liam after this break. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. And Joe at Liam, uh, Frank spoke there about when he's, when he's feeling um, a little bit different. Uh, he he takes, goes for a walk down Gratitude Road and he reminds himself of the benefits of not drinking. Um, what's it? What, what's it like for you? And come back to that point from the caller saying, "Don't get me wrong, life can be awful. Life can be awful." What do you do, or have you developed at this stage a routine, Liam, around it? No, I just, I, I just, I just, I just visualize an expression in my wife's face, and I have one daughter living at home. Okay. When I was drinking, and when I was sitting down watching the telly, and they pass out. They wouldn't pass, I'd, I'd be passed out in the chair, but they might pass out looking at me and I might open my eye and I'd see that expression on their face and i go, I can't, I can't have them doing that again. Now, I have three other kids. One is away, there's yeah. three and them, one living at home. And I can't, I, 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 I wouldn't let them go through it again. I was, I was the idiot, if you don't mind me saying that. I was the fella mm-hmm. at 62, 60, 59, 60, whatever, you know, the last couple of years, sitting at a table, and my grandchildren blowing out a candle, and I was sitting at the table with two or three cans. The only one, absolutely stupid, like you know. And uh, and that's what, that's my road I go down. That's what I think of. That's I can't do it to me. And I pray, and I'm not a religious person. Mm-hmm. I could not do it. I I I couldn't. And I, I and I can't do it to myself because it's like night and day, Joe. I get up in the morning and I go to work. I, I go to work before I was your dry reaching, you're not right, you're halfway through the day, you're thinking about after work. My daughter used to pass a comment to me, and she won't mind me saying it. She said, Ed, you come in from work at half work, watch the fight, and if the first thing she'd hear is, the can would be open. Now, I wasn't drinking a massive amount, but I was drinking. Mm-hmm. I, wasn't, I wasn't functioning as, as a father, a husband, or a grandfather. I was, I was, I was getting by. Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't fair on the family, and that's my that's my road I go down. Looking back, I know I, I had people saying to me, "You sure you were drinking?" I was drinking. I, I'd go out on Monday and have a few drinks. I couldn't stop. Then I'd come home and then I drink more. That's what my problem was. Okay, and I can't do it to them again. And I'd advise anyone: think, of, just look at your wife or your daughter or your family, and that expression in their face when you look at you, 
and you're stupid looking. You're stupid looking. But you don't realise that when you're drinking. It's the following day when you're off it. It's the days after when you're off it. I'm off it 60 odd days through great work from my doctor. Can I mention that? Yeah, of course, yeah. Doctor, Ruth Maloney, unbelievable. Yeah, great. Unbelievable. And, and James from Searsha, unbelievable. Okay, and Searsha is I a centre him. in Limerick. Yeah, I met him, I've met him once. He, I, I was supposed to talk to him over a half an hour ago. I couldn't, I couldn't talk to him. He rings me twice a week. And it's only small talk. I'd appeal with anyone. You know, just just think about just just think about your family. Think about the people. I've hurt no one physically. Yeah, never. On. I've never hurt anyone physically. But I just decided, no, I can't. No, okay. I still go out, Joe. I still meet yeah, a friend okay. of mine today. Pat, and I have a few cups of coffee here. Every few pints, yeah. and I still have the crack. And my daughter, I remember my daughter passed. And sorry, no, for Robin. I remember my daughter passed the comment to the to the doctor when I wasn't there. She said, "That is the type of person. He doesn't need to drink to sing a song." Okay. Okay. Say with us, Liam. Samantha, how do you cope with those SH1T moments? Yeah, apologies, by the way. My phone battery no is going low. No I have to run in and charge it. Um, yeah, I just, what I do is I, yeah, walking is part of what I do. But if you told me that when I first put down the drink, I would have said you were crazy that I would enjoy the simple things in life. Mm. I have a new grandson now, for example. He's only three months old. And the joy that I get from, you know, nature and work i work okay. a lot I, I i'm in business and people people like there's so many good people out there and um, real people people that care about you and the fellowship is so good and my whole life like we're not white knuckling if, if we're on the program properly and gratitude is a huge part of that being grateful and a grateful alcoholic won't drink okay 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 uh, well put. By the way, somebody's pointed out that um, the Taoiseach, Michael Martin, when he was announcing the Irish distillers, well, it's Perno Ricard, it's a French company, expansion in Middleton, they said they should create 800 jobs. But it's, it's as anyone knows in the distilling, in the alcohol, the main job creation in uh, an expansion of a distillery is in the building industry, the building of it during construction. But to operate a distillery takes very, very few people. But anyway, I take that point. They said there'd be 800 jobs created, but instead of building houses, they'd be building distilleries. Joe at rt.ie, 51551. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Joe Duffy! Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Let me mention that tomorrow, it being Friday, uh, we have a special guest, and that is Gilbert O'Sullivan. Um, those of a certain age would know him, but, but as, as somebody pointed out to me t- today, it's great to see that Gilbert's reputation has come around to meet him again, because he is regarded as one of our... Great songwriters. He was born in Watford, grew up in Swindon, now lives in Jersey, has for a long, long time, married to Assay since 1980. Uh, he was one of six children. No, I don't know if many people in Watford knew Gilbert when he was growing up. If they do, contact us, joe at rt.ie. He's been at the top of his game for 50 years. Okay, the big, the number ones were in the in the 70s, um, but there, there are some uh, classics. So Gilbert has agreed, now he's not going to do an agony ant uh, on you, or you can't solve the problems of the world, but he will answer questions about his songs or any memories, or indeed if you as a musician have been influenced by uh, Gilbert or Sullivan. He was a very uh, iconic character, very brave, very courageous char- character, and uh, when, he, when he started he was extraordinarily different, but came out with some some classics. So that's the wonderful Gilbert O'Sullivan. And, and it'll be a light-hearted interview. It's not the meaning of life. Uh, we're doing it, we're doing it a kind of a celebration of Gilbert tomorrow. So if you want to join in, uh, please do. And he's not selling anything. He's not coming to promote a concert or a new album or whatever. We just asked him, would, it, would he uh, chat with us? And he said he would on this Friday. Uh, so, so, so that's tomorrow, Gilbert O'Sullivan. Um, if anything you'd like to say to him directly, the less I say, the better. And uh, anything you'd like to say to him directly or ask him, uh, please do so. Email us now on joe at rte.ie. OK, now back to the subject at hand. Seamus McGivern, Seamus has contacted us. Uh, Seamus, your point, please. How you doing, Joe? Um, yeah, I, I, I just I just wanted to get, get the point across that. Personally, I think that education from a young age... As you know, I, I work in a hostel in, in, in Dublin, a famous hostel, and we'd have a lot of 
drinkers and drug okay. users and that. And and some of the guys even nowadays would say, Oh Lord, if if if, if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have touched this or I wouldn't have touched that. Like you you walk into a supermarket now and, and, and the biggest part of the supermarket is mostly drink. There's a big corner, a door in, a door mm. out. So like it's it's education and, and I'm talking about education from a primary school age. Okay. Te- teach them, you know, this is not good for you guys. You'll see these posters and you'll see rugby matches and this, that and the other, but this is bad news. This you know, one or two points, it's fine. Like I have a twelve year old and I'd often I love going down to the club here for a point. And he's no problem coming with me, but he's not He's not interested in looking at what the barman is doing because he's educated and, and, and he knows, okay, you know, Dad, we have a game of pool. Ah, yeah, come on, we'll have one game of pool now. I'd have me two points and we'd head mm. off home. We'd have a chat and, you know, he'd be telling me about whatever went on during the week or the school and everything like that. And I think that is the problem in Ireland here. We make this big rigmarole about... Uh, all these agencies setting up these billboards and all that. If people are talking about it and going to the pub, these people are doing their job. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what they're paid mm-hmm. these millions for. So don't be giving out to a fella that's... It's like me if I make this famous burger. I'm not going to put at the bottom of the burger, oh, don't eat this now, it's not very good for you. But sure, you'd be... You well, know... Well, well, hang on, Seamus, a burger can save your life if you're starving. Um, well, yeah. you know what I mean. No, I understand, but you, 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 okay, Seamus, say there, Seamus. Let, let's go to John in Ratfarnham in Dublin. John, your point, please. How are you doing, Joe? There's an awful lot of uh, uh, hysteria about this ad. Um, I mean, I listened to what you said. You, I mean, it's not saying you should drink every day. It's saying you could drink it any day. So okay. and the other thing as well is your typical gin and tonic is about ten percent alcohol. But this stuff has only five, so it's actually half a standard drink in a 250 ml can. So I don't really see what the problem is. That's, le- that's less alcohol than your typical pint of a craft beer, you know, which, you know, we're, we're but, you know, but people are drinking all over the place. Yeah, but Professor Frank Murray specifically pointed out the the fact that, well, by the way, the biggest, the biggest image on the ad is not a stem of ginger or a gorgeous lime. The biggest image on the ad is a bottle of Jemmy, a bottle of Jemison. And, it's, uh, and it was the slogan that Frank took particular objection to. Well, he, d- he doesn't agree with alcohol advertising anyway. But um, Jemison, Ginger and Lime, this St. Patrick's Day or any day. Yeah. And he's not here to defend himself, so I'll try and articulate. What he was saying is he's not calling for pro- prohibition of alcohol. What he's saying is that the, 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 a lot of the thinking at the minute is you should, you should go at least two days, at least two days, uh, without alcohol. Now, he thinks it should be longer. He says he doesn't drink between uh, Monday and Thursday himself. He has a drink on a, on a Friday or whatever. But, like, the the ad is for... Uh, it's not for ginger and lime, John. It's for uh, Jemison. No, it's for the lads, the lads are The lads aren't drinking. The two, the two lads who are uh, laughing their uh, very handsome heads off in, in, in the picture are carrying... It's, it's not, by the way, it's not a whiskey glass they're, they're holding. It's a... A tumbler, as we say in our... It was, it's a tumbler. So I don't know how... We, well, I, I don't want to get into an argument about how much whiskey is in the actual glass. But they are trying to sell uh, Jemison. They're not trying to sell limes. No, no, it's a Jemison product. But it's yeah. a mixed Jemison product. So it's down to 5%. So, you know, that's, a, that's not a lot of alcohol in a drink. How do you know it's down to 5%? How do you work that one out? Because that's what the... Um, I looked up Jemison ginger and lime. Okay. Online before I came up to go and find out exactly how much alcohol in it. And where do you look it up? Online. Google. Typed in Jemison Ginger and Lime, 250 ml can, 5% alcohol. Oh, it's a can, is it? Yeah. But this is not advertising a can. No, it's advertising the drink, Jemison Ginger and Lime. Oh, you were talking about there is, a, I didn't know that there is a drink you can get in a can called Gem. You don't even have to get a lime, but there's no lime in the can. It's a dash of lime, is it? You can get a drink in a can called Jemison Ginger and Lime. But that's not what they're advertising. Well, I mean, you better put the picture oh, yes. up then because there's a, drink, there's a mixed drink called Jemson Ginger and I better, Lime. Sorry, I better what? There's a mixed drink called Jemson Ginger and Lime. But that's, which, not, um, yeah, but that's not what they're advertising. And maybe, well, they, so I mean, maybe they should advertise it because I was unaware of it. I say a lot of people were. 
But the, okay, well, what, that's, what that's the that Jemison make is Jemison Ginger and Lime in, as a mixed drink mm-hmm. in the same way that sort of um, other alcohol companies have had other mixed drinks in the past. And I'm sure they make a fine profit on the cans. I'm sure they do. Good for yeah. them. But this is, I come back to my point. Have you seen this ad? It's on Twitter now. This, there's uh, no, no, I was looking for it. I was looking for it on the Liveline thing, but I couldn't see it. So okay. it's up on Liveline, is it? Yes, and it's on a lot of alcohol action or I'll have it up as well. But it's, there's no sign of a can. Well, I mean, but Jemison Ginger Lime is a mixed drink that comes in a 250 well, can. Yeah, but one, that's one variation of Ginger and Lime. But it's so no, not a problem. Yeah, well, maybe they should be advertising that and put the put the slide put that slogan up. It's only five percent, not a problem. Well, good for them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But hang on, the the alcohol they have up on the billboard. I think you're splitting hairs here, John. If you don't mind me saying to you, the alcohol. And I'm sorry, Frank Murray had to go had to had to go because he he could answer you much better than I could. I'm not answer, but put forward his his arguments on it. But the alcohol. But that's, his argument is no, all no, alcohol uh, advertising is banned. That's it's bad, a, rather, sorry. Yeah, that's his main argument. Yeah, that's it's a bit like saying that all car advertising is bad because some people die in car road crashes. No, he actually, no, he actually used that analogy and he said he's not looking for, it's, it's be, it's, as, as calling for a prohibition on alcohol, but he's as stupid as calling for a prohibition on cars, which he's not calling for. And what he's calling for is safer use of cars. That's what he's calling for. And what he's calling for is safer use of alcohol. That's the analogy he made. And the only alcohol advertised on this billboard that Frank and uh, Stephanie were talking about, it says, you can, the, the photograph, as per usual, really beautifully photographed bottle of Jemison. You can cl- see it clearly, 40% volume. 40%, not 5%, 40%. Well, Jemison whiskey is 40%, but Jemison ginger and lime, the mixed drink is okay. 5%. But you can, you can make it 20%. No, you can't. It's, it comes in a can. At no, we're not, mils, John. D- John, you're being, an, you're, 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 you're deliberately at this stage sticking with this can argument. This can argument cannot work because they're not advertising cans. So no, no can do, John. If they want to advertise okay. cans, let them advertise cans. Have you? I haven't, and I watch ads like a hawk because I wasn't the. I love ads. I'm, I'm, I wasn't the advertising industry. But have you ever seen an ad? For the 5% Jemmy Ginger and Lime can? No, I wasn't aware of this until you brought it up. Yeah, exactly. I'd, um, that's I'm, my I'm, point. I'm, I'm, that's I'm, my I'm point. Drinks, I know, I know. So do I. But, John, that's my point. I'm not ever, anyway, I'm not here to make points. But, anyway, John, thanks thanks for alerting us to that. And I appreciate your call. Uh, that's John and Rat Farnham. Joe at RTE.ie 51551. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Bushy Park is one of the biggest and most popular uh, parks in southwest Dublin. Anna, good afternoon. You were there with your children, as a lot of people were last weekend, indeed, every day. What happened, Anna? Hi, Joe. Um, yeah, so we had a, a really terrible and, and frightening accident in Bushy uh, at the weekend with my little six-year-old. Um, I was there with my two sons, they're five and six, and they're learning to ride their bikes. It's a safe park, I thought, to yeah. go to and bring your kids, um, you know, to, to ride around on their, their little small bikes. Um, and we had just arrived. We parked right at the entrance to the park, and myself and Elliot entered the park. He was mm-hmm. cycling in front of me. Now, we're talking, you know, we're, we're going pretty slowly. Like, we're just coming in the entrance together, and... Out of nowhere, an e-scooter came and and hit him wow. at speed. Um, I I just remember screaming like a you know out of nowhere, um, you know because it is even talk, talking about it now it, it was an extremely exciting moment to see your your kid get hit like that at speed. You're not if you're crossing a road, you're expecting a car, you're expecting a motorbike. When you go into a park, you don't expect something coming at you at, you know, 48 kilometres per hour, you know. And that's what these e-scooters can do. That's the upper speed limit of them. And what, what was the, the impact on Elliot? What, what, you, you had to go to the hospital, obviously. Yeah, well, I mean, look, in the initial moments afterwards, like, um, I went into total shock. I, I grabbed him, you know, he was lying on the ground, bawling, crying. Couldn't really see, you know, he said he hit my head, hit my, head my eye, my eye, and he was crying. 
the young man who hit him um, wouldn't accept any responsibility. My husband said to him, you know, it's illegal to be to be on one of those in the park and he denied that it was and was indignant and, and really kind of raising his voice at us and at my child. He had shouted at my child, in fact, as he was hitting him. Um, so he raced off, he sped off on the on the scooter and mm-hmm. while my husband was, you know, trying to get Elliot into the car to take him to the hospital, um, I, I actually went after the guy to try and get him to come back so we could get his name. But he wouldn't come back, and um, and you've no, and at that point, there's there's no there's no ID on the on the scooter. There's no way. There's no ID. They don't have any way. You know, like if you're seeing a scooter do something on the road, like they don't have a ledge like a car, so you can't actually take note of them or anything like that. So I have a photo of the man, but I, that's all I have for the moment. Um, but we had to take Elliot to the hospital immediately. We couldn't get an ambulance yeah. to come quickly enough. Um, and Elliot uh, started to go asleep in the car, which as a parent is oh, absolutely no, no, terrifying, no. terrifying experience when they've had a head injury. Um, his eye all swelled up shut and he was, you know, start, initially screaming and crying, but then he started to get kind of sleepy. And I honestly thought the worst, you know, I, I was really, really frightened. Um, so he went to Crumlin, they looked after him really well. Um, he was there till late at night. Um, under observation and sent for a CT scan to make sure that there wasn't any kind of very serious damage. Um, and then he was sent home with mild concussion and a very, very, he looks like he's been a six-year-old a few rounds in the ring. He has big, swollen um, and black eye um, and and certainly like, you know, a, a bit traumatised like, like us all. Um, but I suppose that the reason I'm talking to you, Joe, yeah, is because yeah. I, I'm so angry that this could happen in a park, that this could happen to a child. And what if this happens next week and the outcome isn't as lucky, I suppose, yeah, you yeah. know. Our child's okay. Like, he's going to be okay. We've been told he's going to make a recovery. And, you know, we'll we'll get back up on the bikes and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll manage. But, like, what if this happens to a smaller child or what if this happens to another child they hit a different part of their head? And, you know, it could could be fatal, you know. I heard a government minister on last week uh, saying, sure, scooters are illegal. Well, if scooters are are illegal in Ireland, we're the most lawless country in the world because there's thousands of them, thousands of them. It's totally unregulated. And this is the problem. Everyone you speak to is confused. I go to the guards, I've spoken to a TD, I've spoken to my counsellors. Tell us about that confusion. Well, nobody can tell me what the, the law is on it. Nobody's clear. Even, you know, the lovely guard that's working with me on trying to identify this man, he himself isn't clear on it. And and that isn't his fault. It's yeah, because yeah, of course. It is unclear, you know. Yeah, um, it and is, it, yeah. it hasn't been legislated for properly. So in the absence of that, you have elderly women being knocked down on the street. I heard another story of a, a woman knocked down and bones mm. broken. And again, the perpetrator fed off on their, their scooter. So, you know, we need to legislate for this. You know, we need to police it then as well. Like, once you bring in legislation, you also have to actually do something about it um, and, and stop people from going... Like, imagine knocking down a child on a footpath yeah. and, and not yeah. accepting responsibility, like a small child, you know? OK, OK, I hope he makes a full recovery. But it, that, that legislation, again... Second time legislation uh, needs to come up, or it came up in the program that needs to be implemented and implemented soon. And I'm glad that's uh, it. They're dragging over. their heels on it. Yeah, it needs uh, to happen, and and something needs to be done because I don't want to pick up the paper and read that this something worse has happened to to anybody. Yeah. You know, um, and for them to go through as well what what we went through on Saturday, which yeah, was a very yeah. very frightening well, experience. I, I identify with that thing when you're. Trying to get a child to a hospital and you you you, you think the child is going asleep, your heart is crossed. Yeah, yeah, no, cross it's really, really frightening. Yeah. Okay, and a kind regards to you and Elliot and 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 your family. Uh, final call on the alcohol area, Jer. Good afternoon. Hello, Joe. Uh, now remember the the. It's, I'm just reminding listeners that the three areas that um, the, the Frank Murray mentioned about controlling alcohol is control the. Th- Three A's, control of access, availability and advertising. And that's what we're talking talking about now, the advertising. Chair, um, you have a, you, you've come around to become an addiction counsellor. How did that happen? <laughs> um, well, I had to be, a, I had to be a, a sit down, a fall down drunk first. 
and uh, okay. 38 years ago uh, I got sober eventually after doing the scenic route by different places I ended up anyway in uh, in Coonsera down in Italian system okay. studios um, fast forward 38 years at, uh, at the age of 66 I decided to go back to college and I went back to do addiction counselling and um you know, I went in with an open mind. I knew there was possibly going to be a clash between my my way I got sober um, through the first step program, which has been mentioned already, and yeah, yeah. perhaps um, what I was going to learn in college. There was a clash, but I, I managed to hold on to both and learn from both. Fast forward again then to placement and then working with young alcoholics. And I, I went in here particularly into the, where the younger people were with an open mind also. And there was a lot of machoism, there was a lot of uh, high fives, and there was a lot of testosterone mm. going around when I met all these young lads um, until I got them on one-to-ones. All I really seen, Joe, was broken kids. Mm. And when it came to, say, family day, and this really was stark, none of them, with the exception maybe of one, mm. had actually appeared in to come to family day. A full generation was missing in their lives. There were now, their carers were uh, our grandparents because the parents themselves were both still tied up in addiction, drunk uh, with drink and with drugs, um, with drink being the main one. It was so stark, the reality of this, that all I could feel really was sh- maybe the country itself, the state, it should be, it should have a level of shame about Mm -hmm. what's going on. And this in time will be uh, the the situation that uh, queries will be and inquiries will go on as to how this could have happened. And it's happened and it's happening every, every single day. When you see a grandparent who is probably just about able to keep uh, body okay. and soul together, yeah, yeah. and they're out there trying to deal with a young, a young individual. Now, the, 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 the point I'm making, Joe, is whatever gloss advertising companies and government officials, whatever the case may be, and however, however open-minded we're asked to be, nobody should ever be allowed to lose sight of what is actually happening at the moment. Okay. A whole generation is missing. Okay, okay. Chair, thanks indeed. Um, today, Dave Gibson on Sound, Clara Eustace on Research, and Eddie can produce. Well, we play out with uh, Gilbert O'Sullivan, and I mentioned yesterday it's 50 years since his first uh, number one in Ireland. Well, it's 51 actually, but this is the one that brought Gilbert to worldwide access. Nothing rhymed. It never got to number one. 0818 715 815 stays open until 3.15pm or email joe at rte.ie